Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of 440 Views from the Hill. We will be having a respectful discussion and debate on current political events, continuing the podcast that was started last year by seniors Colin Smith, Sam Meacham, and Wyatt Bettis. Today, we will be discussing President Biden's withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan. But before we begin, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Asher Maxwell. I'm Ryan Estrin. I'm Gene Herman. I'm Charlie Coast. And I'm Reed Smith. All right. Now to give a little bit of background, in 2001, in response to the 9-11 attacks, the U.S. invaded Afghanistan, which was largely controlled by the Taliban, an Islamist militant group that ruled the nation from 1996 to 2001. The U.S. allied with local resistance fighters and deposed the Taliban's government, but they failed to fully defeat the group when they began a guerrilla war. After an initial overthrow of the Taliban's government in Kabul, U.S. and NATO coalition forces shifted their focus from purely counterterrorism to nation building, establishing the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan. This intervention continued through 2020 when Trump began negotiations with the Taliban to withdraw all U.S. forces from Afghanistan. When Biden became president, he struck he stuck with Trump's plan for withdrawal and set a September 11th deadline, which he then moved to August 31st. As the withdrawal of American forces began, the Taliban rapidly took over Afghanistan. With no bases left in country, the U.S. fell back to the Hamid Karzai International Airport in Kabul, where evacuations have been taking place since the Taliban took control of the capital. In recent days, ISIS-K, a rival Islamist group, has claimed responsibility for a suicide attack at the airport, which has resulted in 13 U.S. service members and 170 Afghans dead. President Biden sharply condemned this attack and launched a retaliatory strike the next day, which officials say killed two high-profile ISIS-K members. Now that we have some background, we'll dive straight in. So the question that we'll be trying to debate and discuss is, regardless of the execution, should Biden have withdrawn troops from Afghanistan? Uh, so, Ryan, we'll start with you. Absolutely. It was a war that never should have happened. It's horrifying that it took 20 years to leave the country. It's a complete, it was completely pointless. It could have been ended if the U.S. had just accepted the Taliban's offer to hand over bin Laden uh, back in 01. Yeah. All right. Gene? Uh, I think I've like definitely changed on this subject as events have unfolded. So, like, I think uh, U.S. withdrawal is probably a bad idea. I'm not like against withdrawal in all instances, but like presently, I think that leaving creates an extreme vacuum that is filled in with violence. And especially with the Taliban on the resurgence, it makes it hard to justify withdrawal. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I agree with Ryan on this one. I think, of course, Biden should have withdrawn from Afghanistan. Uh, and really, I think about this to the fact through the, the lens of what it has cost Americans. Not only is it uh, led to a lot of military casualties, but it's also well, it's, it's also cost the American taxpayer a lot of money and it's failed at its core mission. Um, our presence has really only made it easier for the Taliban to recruit uh, and sustain themselves. And although it has provided some liberties and freedoms in the U.S. controlled parts of the country, it has led to a lot of death and destruction uh, for the Afghan people, especially in rural areas. Uh, you know, I think it's part of the symptom of a broader problem. And I know I'm going along here, but our foreign policy establishment is kind of obsessed with bullets and bombs as the solution to every human rights issues. And when we could do so much more good with actually respecting human rights and the countries we choose to ally with and investing in countries that need our help as opposed to invading them. So, uh, Charlie? Uh, so I'm going to kind of have to agree with a lot of things that everyone has said here so far. I, I agree we should never have been in Afghanistan in the first place. There were a lot of ways that we could have prevented a war from happening and taking us 20 years and still be there. Uh, I agree with Ryan in that regard. I also agree with Gene that we shouldn't have withdrawn as we did now. That we didn't set up the Afghan government the way we should have. Our nation-building approach 
was completely flawed. And for decades, there was corruption. We have inspector general reports. We have the Afghanistan papers that show that there was corruption on all levels from the government to the military. So we did not set this up for success. And I think that that was our greatest problem for Afghanistan. Um, and withdrawal is the tricky question. Um, in that regard, I think we should have withdrawn in, in general, but not in this specific instance. All right, Reed. Uh, yeah, I think the withdraw the idea to withdraw is absolutely correct. We have spent the last twenty years wasting two trillion dollars and four thousand deaths in an attempt to build democracy, but it has come beyond clear by now that this is impossible. However, the Biden's the Biden administration's execution of this withdrawal has been nothing short of a disaster. 13 American service members have already perished as a result, and the evacuation process around the country has been bad in general. Mm -hmm. We'll get to the execution in a minute, but now we'll open to the floor to discussing the withdrawal in general. So I'll, I'll go ahead and start us off. I just have a question for Charlie and Gene. Uh, you know, both of you kind of acknowledged that, I guess, the presence in Afghanistan uh, wasn't perfect. Our initial invasion was maybe not the best idea. So I'm curious what you see as the long-term strategy of the United States and Afghanistan. What is our goals and under what conditions would we eventually withdraw? Uh, so I can start that out. So the long, like the initial goal of the United States in the invasion of Afghanistan was to prevent terrorism and to specifically prevent, uh, prevent another terrorist attack such as 9-11. And right off the base of that, we wanted to go in and get bin Laden and stop Al-Qaeda, but the Taliban did not allow us to do that. And they were the sovereign government of Afghanistan as that, since they were the partially recognized state. They were recognized by all nations. Um, so they had sovereignty. So we couldn't go in there and get bin Laden without their approval, but they didn't give us that approval. So we took matters into our own hands and uh, effectively invaded Afghanistan. Uh, and we accomplished our mission. We took out the Taliban. We took out Al-Qaeda. But we got ourselves into a worse situation that has now we've been stuck in for the past 20 years. So I, like to answer my question, like, what do you think we're doing there now? What, what is our purpose? Why, why are we there? Our purpose there now has still kind of been to sustain this uh, counterterrorism operation, which has led to nation building. OK, so, so, so you see the counterterrorism operation is successful now. Yes. Maybe not the nation building aspect. Yes, okay. but, but nation building is a key to a continued counterterrorism in the future. Hmm. Why has the ring road failed so massively? If counterterrorism so, is so effective. So could you provide some context on what the ring road oh, is? Oh yeah. So after we switched to doing like uh, nation building in Afghanistan, the big infrastructure project, the big thing that was proving how great this intervention was for the Afghani people was building this big old modern highway that would connect all of Afghanistan, so make it easy for people to get to Kabul, making it a modern nation. A lot of the roads are like kind of dirt. They don't have a lot of like really strong infrastructure. But the U.S. basically had to constantly guard this road because the Taliban and terrorists were just blowing it up like constantly. If the U.S. left a place, Taliban would immediately blow it up. So we've slowly, we basically given up on the project. And just as we gave up on it, it would just immediately be destroyed because it was a sign of like the American occupation that these people were just actively trying to resist. And it's definitely the biggest like nation building project we undertook. Hmm. Yeah, I think like that's probably, probably was a bad idea in the first place, like to, to try and uh, create a highway like in an area that's not necessarily needing highways, like trying to 
spread like what we think is important in that country was like probably not a good idea. I think like in the future, I think we need to focus on the bigger picture than just like the facts that we have right now and like emotions, which is like what I think got us into the problem in the first place. So I think like evaluating like what the what the like ramifications could be much more than just like what we like need to do to like show a valid response to the problem. Mm. Um, so to get back onto the question, uh, well, like Charlie mentioned that, uh, our focus needs to be on counterterrorism and, you know, I just, I disagree that I think that the best counterterrorism strategy is to withdraw from Afghanistan, because I think that our presence there has only made it easier for entities like the Taliban Al Qaeda to recruit, you know, what, what the U S has been doing largely is, uh, maintaining presence in places like Kabul and using airstrikes to try and take out terrorist locations in rural areas. But what we've actually done is just uh, killed a lot of civilians along the way. And that has bred a lot, a lot of resentment in Afghanistan that has made it way easier for Al Qaeda to recruit. So, and you know, when you even look at like some of the worst terrorist attacks uh, that have happened in the past 20 years, starting with 9-11 and now with uh, like the Boston bombing and um, the Pulse nightclub shooting, they have all cited U.S. presence in the Middle East as a motivating factor. And I think, uh, you know, Honestly, like our presence there isn't really accomplishing a lot of good. And I think if we were to 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 leave countries like the Afghanistan, it would um, kind of help undermine and make it harder for terrorists to recruit uh, civilians who otherwise would want to engage in, you know, normal uh, economic activities. Yeah. So I think like the problem with withdrawal is that it creates the vacuum for current terrorist groups who already have numbers to like in- gain power and like gain territory. I think like the problem with like presence that terrorist terrorist recruits have is that not like the presence itself but the nature of that presence so like the attempt of the u.s to instill like what we think is the greatest form of government or like what we think is right for afghanistan instead of like listening to voices of the afghan people and like helping there so i think like shifting our presence away from like nation building to try and make afghanistan like a western democracy and trying to like help the afghan people and like what they think is best for their country would be much better than just like forcing them to go Western. Okay. Uh, I just want to pose a question. Um, let's assume Donald Trump gets elected in 2020. How do you all think this withdrawal would have gone under his administration? If at all, I'll go in first. Cause I don't think it would have happened at all. Uh, if you look at what Trump would be doing every time we talk about these kind of withdrawals, whether it be Syria, uh, Iraq, and Afghanistan, the generals would come to him. They'd be like, this is going to make you look weak. The terrorists are going to rise up, the, all this stuff. And he would immediately be like, oh, yes, you're correct. And choose not to withdraw. Had this, the exact same thing would have happened. I think the reason he was pushing for this was purely like electoral stunts. In a world in which he'd been run re-election, there would have been no withdrawal. I, I might disagree with Ryan there. I do think he was uh, somewhat committed uh, to the withdrawal. Um but like for example, like he he was did withdraw troops from Syria that that were working with the Kurds. But I, I think like the execution back down on most of that. Well, okay, well, and we'll get into the execution of it later. But I, I do think that the execution would have gone similar, given that Biden and Trump had similar plans. Um, I did want to talk, or I did want to address some points Gene brought up about terrorism, and I know we're jumping around here, so I'll apologize for that. But um, I don't think that the like there there is any sort of reason why 
the Taliban having complete control of Afghanistan is going to make terrorist attacks more likely. And maybe it'll make it more likely on the margins. But if you look at terrorist attacks, uh, recent terrorist attacks, they largely haven't been launched from places like the Middle East. There have actually been homegrown terrorists who have been radicalized by entities yeah. like ISIS or Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda. And they they, they don't need, you know, entire countries in, in order to radicalize Americans. They don't need entire countries to launch propaganda campaigns. And I don't think that, you know, the Taliban had control of the country when we were there and they could have easily launched a terrorist attack from from just a little bit of uh, territory. Yeah, but Asher, so the shift from uh, like a very safe, like safe haven in Afghanistan, which was, it was a safe haven for Al Qaeda and other terrorist organizations, they had large training camps. And that's where they really based the bigger attacks they've had, like uh, the uh, bombing of the embassy in Kenya by bin Laden, USS Cole. So bin Laden was able to really build a, a larger terrorist network in this country because he didn't have to worry as much about a U.S. presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then today now we're shifting more to these kind of lone wolf attacks because the terrorist organizations don't have these places to organize in person. Like you can't have a large meeting of jihadists because U.S. intelligence networks or any other nation's intelligence networks will pick up on that and will be able to drone strike. Mm-hmm. So you Co- got a lot couple of things there. First of all, is that I don't understand why our presence in Afghanistan is necessary for us to conduct those airstrikes. Like for example, we don't occupy bases in Yemen, and yet we constantly providing. Uh, air support for the Saudi Arabians from like our uh, aircraft carriers in the um, the Gulf region. The second thing is that we are in Afghanistan right now and Taliban has, uh, well, well, sorry, that's a stupid thing to say. We were in Afghanistan this year and while we were there, like during our occupation, the Taliban still had control over large parts of the country and, you know, they could have been launching uh, terrorist, they could have had terrorist training camps there. Like it's not, a, like our presence there does not mean that that the Al Qaeda has just no territory. It just means that, you know, we're occupying parts of the country. Yeah. I think like the Yemen example is a little bit different in like the fact that they're in the midst of a civil war. So, like, the way that it would like the area that the US and Saudi occupies, they're able to launch airstrikes from there instead of them just being like a random country that they like aren't part of. And then, like, I also think in the, in, like, in the context of Afghanistan, like the fact that like, there were some areas that the Taliban controlled. Like, first off, like you said this year, so like in the trend of withdrawing from Afghanistan, they were having like more areas of Afghanistan to control, which, uh, and then also just like, I think like the problem with like the difference between the fear of the Taliban controlling the government isn't that like they're able to recruit more for like lone wolf attacks, like the ones that you're talking about. It's more for like the fact that they're able to have like a governmental agenda geared towards their like terrorist ideals. I think it's worth noting that uh, we initially went into Afghanistan to try to uproot Al Qaeda, which was basing out of there. But, you know, today we're not really serving the same purpose because Al Qaeda and the Taliban are both well, more of Al Qaeda specifically is much weaker uh, than it was uh, when we first went in. It's got less funding and less support. Um, and the U.S. intelligence community is much more effective at preventing attacks than it was in nine than it was in two thousand one when the nine eleven attacks happened. Even if we're not in the country, uh, we are going to move on to execution soon. But we'll so we'll just make some like you know finding points. Charlie, you want yeah. to respond? So I'll respond a bit what Ryan and Asher have said. 
uh, like about our, our intelligence networks and stuff. By leaving Afghanistan, we've hurt our operational capacity in the country. You can you can easily see this like with how we're struggling with evacuations and stuff. We can't operate at the same capacity. And since Al-Qaeda and these other terrorist organizations that have operated like out of Afghanistan, since we've been there, they've been decreased. Like Al-Qaeda has lost much of its operational capacity to launch attacks abroad. I don't think they've launched a large attack of really abroad, um, like especially in a Western country in a long time. Like Al-Qaeda has been focused more on delegitimizing ISIS than they have been on attacks. And that's been mainly because they haven't had a place to kick to to work. And we've been denying that, denying them that like ability for this time. And our intelligence networks are strong enough that we can work all throughout Afghanistan. But if the Taliban are in charge of Afghanistan and they don't give us permission to operate in the country, we can't carry out these same uh, like decapitation strikes on uh, terrorist leaders that we have and we have we've been doing for the past 20 years. All right, uh, we'll move on to the next question. All right, the next question that we'll be discussing is, um, was the execution of the, of the withdrawal a failure or to what extent was it a failure? Uh, so we'll go backwards this time. We're gonna start with Reed. Um, yeah, as I stated earlier, I think it has been awful. It's, it's already led to a terrorist attack on 13 American um, service members and it's left the country in just ruins. We have women and children fleeing on the streets, just trying to evacuate and get out of the country. And it's the entire process is just a total disaster. Um, I, yeah, I, I mostly agree with that. It's, it, there's a lot of human tragedy that's been going on. I, I do think that there was a failure in, um, the evacuation process as a result of a complex visa process. And, uh, I don't think, you know, that there are better ways we could have done it. However, on the whole, I, I don't see a withdrawal that didn't end in almost immediate Taliban occupation. I think it's important uh, to remember um, some some context with regards to withdrawal. Uh, there was a lot of pressure from the Afghan from the Afghan government uh, trying to convince us to not encourage people to to evacuate because they didn't want to incite a panic. And for that same reason, the Afghan government refused to make strategic retreats that could have made it a lot easier for them to maintain parts of the country. So, I I mean, I think that there are aspects of it that were a failure, but on the whole, I think, I mean, I I guess I wouldn't say it was a success or a failure, but I I think calling it an abject failure is a little bit of a mischaracterization of the uh, area. Disregard, disregards the context within which we were withdrawing. Uh, Charlie? I'm going to have to disagree with you completely there. I think it was a complete failure. And now you have Biden saying that it was, like, this chaos was inevitable. Withdrawal was going to be, like, chaotic like this. No, it wasn't. Biden didn't have to stay with Trump's plan. He left other agreements. He left the Paris Climate Accord when he came back to the Paris Climate Accords when Trump left it. So he didn't have to follow the Trump administration's um, like plans on treaties. He could have left uh, this deal that obviously he thought was going to not work out. And I think you mentioned... Um, how President Ghani of Afghanistan didn't want uh, American allies in Afghanistan to evacuate because that would cause a panic. Well, if Biden knew this was going to be chaotic, why would he have not just like um, 
why would he not just be like, no, we're going to evacuate these troops now, or we're going to evacuate um, our allies in Afghanistan now? Now we'll go to Ryan. Yeah, so I'm going to come totally opposite of pretty much everybody else and say I think it's pretty much a complete success, uh, like 80-90% exactly. I think it was what we needed to do. We needed to get out of there. Any trying to extend it meant we were never going to leave. If we, I don't believe. Um, I think uh, maintaining the like, just trying to get out of there was what needed to happen. I also agree that like violence and conflict, like this kind of collapse, was pretty much inevitable, which also is another reason. But on the whole, like pretty much a success. Uh, I'll also disagree here completely. I think. When you leave your base in the middle of the night without notifying your allied army, when you give the the like opposition the names of people who have worked with your country, I mean, we've seen it lead to increased terrorist operations, increased terrorist cell growth. Uh, it's also humanitarian disasters happening right now. There's people starving in the streets of Kabul. Uh, women are being flogged in the street. I mean, I just think it's a complete disaster and a complete breakdown of... Uh, everything that the withdrawal is trying to achieve. Um, we'll move on to open discussion now, and we'll start with Reed. Okay, I had a quick question for you, Charlie. Um, so the Biden administration has basically said that it was either all in or all out. They had no choice. If they, if they withdraw, um, then uh, the, the result that's unfolding right now was, was inevitable. Um, but if they stayed in Afghanistan, it would have led to continuous warfare um, for the next decades to come. So do you think that's an accurate assessment? Well, first I'd ask, why do you think that there would be continuous warfare like, for the decades to come? Like, why do you think we would continue to be at war? Well, I'm just saying that's what the Biden okay. administration has came out in public and said. Okay. That's, their, that's their justification mm-hmm. for withdrawing. So do you think that's an accurate Justification. I, I don't think that's an accurate assessment because I think as more, less than like the negotiations with the Taliban under the Trump administration, I don't think that is what caused the big stop in violence that we've been seeing because we've seen a downtick in violence since 2014. And I think that was really when like the Afghan soldiers were starting to, they were starting to build up, but they, they were, they were the ones who were building up less than the Taliban decreasing their power. And so if you had American forces staying in Afghanistan, it would be more the Afghan government and the Afghan soldiers who were bearing the brunt of the Taliban, but with Americans still assisting them. And I think that's what you see here is now we just pulled out so that the Afghan government had no support. So their military collapsed faster than even our, we thought could happen. Um, okay. Yeah. I want to kind of address something that Charlie said in his point, and this is, I guess, a question for anybody who, um, describes the withdrawal as an abject failure. Um, and I, I kind of want to make this point first, which is that I don't see, and I don't think the Biden administration saw a path that did not lead to absolute chaos. We were leaving a country that was almost entirely reliant on us presence. Uh, and we were leaving, we were leaving the country when the Taliban was, um, well, the Taliban was was in a position to advance, not necessarily because of um, just because kind of the failure of the United States to get them under control. And so I think that like when you think about what the withdrawal would have looked like uh, in, in counterfactual scenarios, I think that in almost every one of those scenarios, the Taliban would have seized control very quickly faster uh, than we could have uh, successfully withdrawn everyone. For example, if we had started to evacuate people earlier, if the Biden administration had been 
more adamant, which I think there are plenty adamant about the necessity of the draw, but the Biden administration had been telling people like, you have to get out now and had started just flying uh, people out of Kabul. I think there would have been mass panic in Afghanistan, mass panic. And I think everyone would have tried to get out all at once, which would have led uh, to kind of abandonments of, of, of military positions, just like we saw the um, I can't, I can't even remember if he's the pre- president or prime minister, but the leader of Afghanistan, the president, president Ghani, who left, uh, who fled Afghanistan quickly. I think scenes like that were almost inevitable, no matter when, you know, no matter if uh, Biden had been more adamant with the withdrawal. So my question is, uh, I guess, what would a successful withdrawal have looked like? I think it would have looked like what happened for sure. We, we, everyone was saying we should just leave in the middle of the night. We have to do a like slow withdrawal, like make sure the Afghan government is strong. We left in the middle of the night. As Gene was saying earlier, we left the Grom Air Force Base and the, the uh, Afghan military commanders there didn't know for two hours. We turned off the power and left them and they didn't know. So we had no, little to no operational capacity in the country. We were stuck at the airport. That's where we were operating out of. So we had no control over what happened. We just left. The Taliban were like, we're just all going to come in. I think if we had had a slow withdrawal and made sure that both the Afghan military, provincial governments were strong and that the police and security forces there were able to... Actually, even before that, we shouldn't have left this early because we weren't in the position to leave. There's rampant corruption. And so really we should have, before even thinking about withdrawing, we have to think how do we root out corruption in the government that's been there for the past 20 years because that's how we set it up. So I think if we redoubled our efforts and continued to improve the government standing in the eyes of the people and reduce this corruption in the government and military, then we could have withdrawn successfully. Yeah. So I think sort of, I'll start kind of responding to that. So like to the degree that I did say that it was like, even though I think it was largely a success, the degree that I think it was a bit of a failure uh, is like the abandonment of military bases really fast and the leaving of supplies. Um, Not necessarily because like, I honestly don't think leaving like guns or like a helicopter matters all that much in the grand scheme of the Taliban's fighting forces. Uh, even though it's probably still not like a good thing. And I think it was good that we got out of there really quickly to me, like a lot of the failure that I, to the degree that I think it was inevitable. I think it was like, to me, the generals and the leadership who in the army were never going to like allow the withdrawal to go smoothly in the way I feel like I'm not a Biden supporter at all. Uh, But I just do not, I believe like a lot of the fault here isn't for the administration it's for the, you know, the Pentagon. It, it goes to the G- the generals and the people who abandoned military base in the middle of the night. They knew that this withdrawal deadline was happening. And I think these people made a conscious choice to do things like make it so they turned off the power and didn't tell all the people and then all those prisoners got out. Why, why do you think, like, what incentive would generals have to maintain this base? Well, I, well, I do have kind of an answer to that that also where I was hinting at, which is part of the problem with this and part of the reason why I think the Biden administration was lacking the necessary intelligence. And I mean that in the sense of like, uh, like, like the information, not, not like the, the knowledge or ability, but I think they lack the intelligence um, to, to successfully plan withdrawal because a lot of military commanders are being overly optimistic in their assessments up until the abandonment uh, in order to make it sound like they had been more successful than they were. And that 
is you know part of the problem with why it was so hard to to accurately plan the running of a foreign government from from Washington because you know you have to go through so many different um, people who who have an incentive to kind of inflate the status of their mission. But yeah, if that answers your question, I think Ryan. You, yeah, that was kind of on. the main thing I'm getting at as to why I think like it was a lot of the blame goes to the military rather than Biden himself. Uh, for like, yeah, I think the inflation. I think there's like a big thing within our military that like they don't necessarily want to withdraw and like for instance Biden's already had to redeploy a bunch of troops to the couple to the airport to like maintain that stuff I think the main goal like within the military to some in some capacity even if it wasn't an open goal and even if they were going to withdraw and follow the administration's ideas was to like force Biden's hand to stay a little bit longer or like not necessarily withdraw the way he was going like rapidly Okay, now proceeding into the last segment of the podcast today, I just want to read you something from the New York Times. It says, President Biden warned Saturday that another terrorist attack at the Kabul airport sometime in the coming days was highly likely, and he promised that the U.S. retaliatory strike for Thursday's suicide attack would not be the last. So I'll open this question up to uh, all of y'all and um, ask, what do y'all think the U.S. should do from here? Where do you, what do you think their options uh, are moving forward? Oh, I really think how the U.S.'s plan going forward is really dependent on what happens uh, in the next couple of weeks with the Taliban, because this wasn't a political settlement with the Taliban. The Taliban came in as a military organization and took over the government of Afghanistan, and they've yet to form a government as the recording of this podcast. So really, it's what happens from here, what happens in these next couple of weeks. Do they form a government that is associated with terrorist organizations on a large level. Um, and also, could there be another civil war in Afghanistan? Because we have resistance groups already forming in the Palestine Valley. So like, if there is a civil war, that really complicates the legitimacy of a Taliban government. And we don't have a footprint in Afghanistan now. We've left all of our bases. We've given up the Grom Air, Air Base, which was our largest base. So we can't really dictate where Afghanistan goes from here. And I don't really think it's our place to dictate where Afghanistan goes. But we can do stuff diplomatically. We can make sure that the Taliban, uh, or really to, to recognize the Taliban as a legitimate government, we can condition that. We can say if you uh, protect women's rights, if you don't do some of the... Uh, like horrible atrocities that were committed from 1996 to 2001. If we, if we can get past that and have the Taliban be a legitimate and safe form of government for the Afghan people, then I think, yes, the U.S. could recognize the Taliban, but it has to be conditioned. And I think it also has to be done more through the U.N. We have to have that multilateral uh, plan instead of just a unilateral Invasion. All right. So, Charlie, regarding the retaliatory strikes, uh, what do you think the U.S. should do in that regard? I think the retaliatory strikes were good uh, because it shows ISIS-K that we mean business still, that even though we've left uh, and we still have diminished a lot of our operational capacity, we're still committed to our U.S. service members that this we're not going to let them die in vain, that, that we can still do stuff and prevent um, attacks. I think that's important to to continue. That we have to to continue both a, a diplomatic approach uh, to 
prevent the resurgence of the Taliban's connections with uh, terrorist organizations, and really to make sure that we can destroy uh, any capacity for a Al Qaeda to resurge or um, ISIS K to grow in Afghanistan, and that really is this conditioned uh, recognition of the Taliban. We have to make sure that they make their country into one that is an established country and won't be uh, conducive to a terrorist group. Right. Asher? Yeah. So though I think that the uh, U.S. should not uh, put its troops in harm's way in Afghanistan, I do think we still um, have some obligation to the Afghan people and have some stake in the future of Afghanistan. And I think that we should uh, try to prevent a resurgence of terrorism and try to protect um, both Americans and the Afghan people from harm through things like, well, like we've been talking about retaliatory strikes and um you know, economic and diplomatic pressure that doesn't have to involve our um, our soldiers being in harm's way. Um, I do think, though, that the most important priority right now for the Biden administration should be getting people out uh, before the deadline, which is fast approaching. It's going to be in three days from when we're recording this. But also beyond that, uh, helping to facilitate um, refugees uh, are helping to assist refugees who are fleeing Afghanistan. Uh, so there's really two things I think we should do there. First, on the issue of uh, evacuation is we should completely scrap a lot of the requirements to get a visa for people who helped the United States in Afghanistan. So it is much easier for them to immigrate to the United States. Uh, a lot of these people are people who worked for the uh, United States military and put their neck out on the line and risked their lives um, to, to, to help to help our, our soldiers and they should not be uh, forced to stay in Afghanistan and face harm from the Taliban. The second thing we need to do is that there's going to be a mass exodus of people from Afghanistan into the neighboring countries like Pakistan. Um, I'm blanking on the other ones. I think Tajikistan is one, but we, we need to provide resources for those countries and help those countries uh, move the refugees to, to other countries. We should also be willing to accept a large number of these refugees because most of them are you know, are hardworking people who are going to contribute to our society, but that's a topic for another day. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my, my view. Uh, yeah, I'll go next. Um, I think we need to send a message, uh, regard, regarding the strikes that we're, we're out of the region, but we are not gone. If that makes sense. Um, we can't let our guard down and weaken in that respect, but I think moving forward, we have to, um, help all the Afghani citizens that, uh, have, been hurt by this process and uh, welcome them into our country. And obviously that's going to have other economic implications in the United States. But like Asher was saying, that's a, just a topic for a different day. So Ryan. Uh, yeah. So I think on the whole, like to follow up with the strikes issue, we need to stop doing military intervention, like no more airstrikes, like anywhere, especially Afghanistan. They're not productive or helpful, and a lot of times they lead to further radicalization of groups. Uh, and also they violate sovereignty of a bunch of nations. Uh, and we all, while we continue to pull out pretty much, I think we should like use Afghanistan as an example to begin the idea of trying to pull out of like places like Okinawa, um, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, uh, and also ensuring that we're accepting large numbers of refugees, regardless if they be, you know, contributory to society. Uh, within the United States, just as like purely human rights issue. I think that the first action would be to immediately cancel the deadline of pulling U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. There's no way that we're going to be able to get all of the people that helped the Americans out in time 
to uh, in three days. It's just not possible. Second, I think we need to uh, retaliate to uh, the strike. We need to show uh, the Taliban and ISIS-K that uh, they can't mess with us. And third, I think we need to actually go back into Afghanistan. If it's not boots on the ground, at least uh, through humanitarian aid, there's uh, Afghani citizens di- uh, dying in the streets from starvation in Kabul. Uh, I think pulling out completely right now would be an absolute blunder on the part of the U.S. Well, I have a question on that. So in regards to the first point you made, uh, the, the this deadline is kind of a negotiated thing with the United States and the Taliban. But would you say, w- would you argue that we, I guess, just kind of disregard it and re-engage uh, conflict with the Taliban, kind of kind of put more troops in, become more invested in that conflict in order to get people out? I think 100% we should do that. I think uh, we can base that on the fact that the Taliban have repeated instances of human rights violations, uh, particularly with how they treat women and like there's people starving uh, and with like the fact that we need to protect the people who helped us, who the Taliban are most likely going to kill in three days when the U.S. leaves. Uh, I have another question for the table, uh, the, sh- the attack in the future that Reid talked about in the opening of this uh, subject. Biden announced today that the U.S. intelligence says that that's going to happen in the next 24 to 36 hours. So what can the U.S. do within that time frame to prevent that attack or should they? Ryan? I don't think they can do anything. I just think, you know, I, I don't think they should strike. I think that's done. Attacking's bad. I mean, they can try to defend from anything that can happen, but on the whole, like, I think if it is inevitable, they're going to be on high alert and preparing if they think it's going to happen. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, I don't think they should do like drone strikes against any ISIS K people or anything beyond just like trying to be ready to defend against potential suicide, like truck bombings. Yeah. I would like to just add to Ryan's comment on that. There have been reports that from that retaliatory strike, there's been at least a couple civilian injuries, uh, even casualties. So retaliatory strikes do have unintended consequences as well. Um, I, I kind of disagree with Ryan. I think that in these last few days, as we're trying to get as many people as we can, we uh, should should really do everything we can to protect um, the people that we've kind of clustered at the airport. And if that means taking retaliatory strikes, then so be it. We've we've got to be reticent and we've got to be um, almost aggressive just in 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 the last in this last window in which we're trying to evacuate as many people as we can. Uh, so, Gene, I did have a question, like a clarification about your point. So. What would the U.S. do if they were to re-engage in Afghanistan? I think the U.S. would uh, mainly focus on human rights, much less about like getting rid of Taliban influence, but much more about uh, providing aid to civilians in the form of food, uh, preventing people from getting beat, uh, like focused on helping the Afghan people and not about promoting American influence, but much more about uh, helping those people in their struggles. Uh, All right. So that's going to be the episode for today. Uh, Thank you for listening and tune in that week next week for a discussion of Biden's infrastructure and uh, social spending packages.